By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen. Romantic love, self-effacing love, love of things, love of stuff, love of power, and apparently it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. (laughs) Hallmark love, Disney love, food as love, society and the cultural beliefs and values that are supreme in it have indeed misguided us in this work of love. Bell Hooks is absolutely one of my favorite authors. And as a black womanist theologian and writer, she has this to say about love in her book aptly named, All About Love. She says, To open our hearts more fully to love's power and grace, We must dare to acknowledge how little we know of love. And we must yearn to end the lovelessness that is so pervasive in our society. Love. Love is mentioned 221 times in our New Testament scripture. Sin is mentioned 121 times. But love... 221 times. And yet, of all the things that we study and think about and explore in church, how much time have we given, really, to deeply and thoroughly exploring the truth and the call of this thing called love? And yet, If love, as we are told in our gospel today, is in fact our greatest commandment, and if to love one another is our greatest point of identity as Christians, by this everyone will know you are my disciples, then I suppose, as Bell Hooks declares, We must acknowledge how little we understand of this thing called love, and we must yearn to end the lovelessness in our society if we are to be Jesus followers. Now, as you know, I am not one for binaries. I do not buy into either-or thinking. So I am not suggesting here that we are either loveless or loving, because loving is a continuum. On one end of the continuum, we have a loveless society. And on the other end of the continuum, at least for us as Christians, we have the way of Jesus. And Jesus says to us, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, so too must you love one another. As I have loved you. So if we desire to open our hearts to the power and grace of love, we must attempt to deeply understand what Jesus means by love, to acknowledge how little of it we know, and how perhaps a loveless society has impacted our ability to love as Jesus loves. 
and to see how Jesus loved, we need to go back before Jesus was really born Jesus because at the root of love is God. And God so loved the world that God gave God's Son not to die on the cross, but to live as one of us. So in the beginning, God shows us love by being with us, by being with. God loves us by choosing to be with us as one of us who suffers with us, who lives with us, and yes, dies with us. A loveless society rather seeks to control the experience of being with, values anything that manages or controls the experience of relationship. But God chooses to be with us first as a vulnerable child, born in poverty as a marginalized human. That, for God, is God's way of being with us and is the beginning of how God shows up as love for humans. So love begins in the vulnerability of human flesh. The word was made flesh through Jesus, and God calls us into that kind of face-to-face love. God calls us into relationship. And so Jesus is with us as vulnerable human. He loved us. Jesus loved the woman at the well by being with her when she was alone and no one else would listen to her. The woman at the well was alone and no one was willing to love her because society instead loves the powerful and yet she was powerless. Society loves paternalism, the belief that people without institutional formal power cannot and should not be in the conversations about how to solve society's problems. But Jesus loves her, includes her in on the conversation. Jesus sees her as a person with ideas worthy of listening to. Jesus loved her. Jesus loved Nicodemus. When Jesus let him in the middle of the night come into his home because Nicodemus was afraid and needed to be seen and heard, Nicodemus felt he had to come to Jesus in the middle of the night because a loveless society fears open conflict. And in a society that fears open conflict, the response to that fear is to blame the person for raising the issue. So Nicodemus is forced to come in the middle of the night, but Jesus loves him. And even though he raises a conflict, Jesus lets him in. Even though he wants to challenge Jesus, Jesus is open to him. Jesus loves him. And Jesus loved Lazarus so much that he weeps upon his death. And he joins Lazarus' family in their weeping, and then Jesus, in community, heals him. A loveless society, on the other hand, 
values individualism, the idea that people should be able to solve all of their own problems alone. But Jesus values community and being with people in their grief, being a part of community solutions. Jesus loved them. And then Jesus loves the rich young man. Do you recall the story of Jesus and the rich young man? The rich young man finds Jesus and testing him says, so what do I have to do to have this eternal life? Jesus, being with him, hears his question and says, follow the commandments. The rich young man says, done. I have followed all the commandments. Apparently not reading the one about lying. And then I quote from Mark chapter 10, looking at him, Jesus loved him and said, you must sell all that you own and give it all to the poor. Slack-jawed and grief-stricken, the rich young man walks away because he had many possessions. A loveless society values stuff and hoards power in possession The society had told this rich young man that the more you have, the more worthy you are. But Jesus loved him and says, your worth is not in your possessions. Your worth is found in your ability to give, your ability to share, your willingness to offer from what you have. Jesus loved the rich young man. And then finally, Jesus loved by going to the cross. Now, taking on atonement theology is for another sermon entirely, but let me begin by saying Jesus went to the cross and died because a loveless society values security and safety and fears death. This might be the most powerful tool of a loveless society, the valuing of self-protection over the valuing of the well-being of the other. But Jesus, Jesus loved so deeply and so fearlessly that he refused to stop loving. Jesus refused to stop teaching, refused to stop challenging the powers, even with the threat of death. Jesus refused to stop loving. Jesus loved us. Love. God comes into the world as human to be with. Jesus loves through relationship, is present with us as a human, and takes on our suffering so that he can better understand us and so that he can show us a new way. That new way is the way of love, very different from the way of a loveless society. Being with in mutual relationship, having compassion for, valuing community, holding people accountable and being open to conflict and refusing to stop loving and refusing to fear even death. This is the way of Jesus. 
This is the way of love. This is not the way the world loves us. This is the way God loves us and the way we are called to love one another. To love as Jesus loved is a choice. To follow Jesus is a choice. But if we truly receive the love given to us by our Savior Jesus Christ, then love as Jesus did is the only way. This way is the way we are trying to follow through koinonia, through koinonia and through our work to dismantle white supremacy in our loveless society. This is our way of opening our hearts to the grace and power of love, to see and to understand how white supremacy has placed us on the far end continuum of a loveless society. This is our work. This is the way we as a church community are attempting to follow Jesus' way of loving. This is not a political movement to subvert cultural norms or values. This way of love is our spiritual path. To love as Jesus loved, not as the world loves. This way of koinonia This deconstructing of a loveless society will build within us resiliency and the capacity to love as Jesus loves. And then this is how they will know us. They will know us because we love as Jesus has loved us. Amen.